as I asked her uh, what what I should call her, she said, I think this is in the book maybe, that she said, uh, uh, call me what you like. I'm not a dog and I won't come when you call. So I began calling her the night mother so I would have just a, something to write down in my journals and stuff, you know. How do you break off the story that isn't you and the stories that came from your family or your culture that kind of guide your sense of who you are and possibility for yourself? And how do you uh, kind of return to the scenes of the crime where uh, damage was caused by traumatic events mm -hmm. and extract the power that got stuck there? Important is for people to realize that not everybody's gonna find the same way in at all. Mm. And that's one of the things I try to do in six ways is go like, yeah. there's a ton of ways here in. And it's not that these are all things you have to learn before you can begin. Mm -hmm. It's like find one that'll let you in, right? That's why I think of them as entries. Hello, dear listeners. I hope you're well and welcome to episode 31 of The Spirit of Box. And for this episode, we bring we have an awesome guest for you in the form of Aidan Wachter. Aidan is the author of The Brilliant Six Ways, which is a collection of approaches and entries uh, for practical magic. It's not a system, grimoire, or belief system. The focus is on the development of healthy spirit ecologies with a decidedly animist bent. Um, we'll be talking through that book, and uh, we'll be touching towards the end of the show on his new book weaving faith hyper sigils changing the past and telling true lies which is available at the end of august 2020 and you can find the links for um that book and and all aiden's work um in the show notes he's just launched the podcast as well so be sure to subscribe to that link again in the bottom of the show notes or if you're watching on youtube in the YouTube notes, whatever that's actually called. It's there. It's there. Just trust me. It's there. Look down. Scroll down. There you go. Right. We talk spirits, dirt sorcery, and rural life. Aiden takes us through a, a, a frankly beautiful, moving experience he had through his his work in deep trance states. We discuss the influence society has on the self and how solid praxis and and uh, and discernment can really help. Uh, one insulate oneself against that which does not serve you. And, and looking at the, the way the world is at the moment, this is good stuff. This is good stuff to look at, good medicine. In the Plus show, we discuss Aiden's encounters with the man in black, which is frankly fucking terrifying. Um, we discuss luminous threads of attachment and severing those attachments and, um, and practices to protect oneself from... The, uh, the negative entities out there, the old parasitical hungry spirits. Uh, we also chat about the kind of the occulture uh, obsession with with lineage and authenticity of magical practices, and, and to that end, we discuss the the consistent methods and tools that have allowed people to dip into um, ancient magical currents through, throughout time. And if you want to hear that, click the Patreon link in the show notes and, and come join the team. Um, but before we get into all of that, a quick thank you to Lonnie Scott of Weird Web Radio for making the introduction to set up the show. Thank you, Lonnie. I owe you a pint. Check out uh, Lonnie's show. It's, it's, it's awesome. He's got some fantastic guests, including both of the people you're about to hear now. Two for one. Anyway, enjoy. 
walkthrough. You're very welcome to the Spirit Box. Um, I'm hugely grateful to have you uh, on the show. Lonnie Scott uh, has uh, kindly made the introduction to help orientate uh, some of the listeners. Can you tell us a bit about who you are and what your practice is? Sure. Uh, I got into, I first kind of started thinking about magic in 1982 um, and got serious about it in 1987, I guess. Um, and uh, most folks know me as a talismanic jeweler. I got into the jewelry thing in the 90s, um, dropped it for a long time, and then returned in 2012 and just retired from that last year. And uh, then I've written two books, one that has been out for a couple of years called Six Ways, and one that just is in the process of being released right now uh, called Weaving Fate. Uh, and yeah, I'm kind of an animist sorcerer. I was yeah. magic person whatever term you want to use i'm not picky so. um th that that bit you kind of said at the end about kind of whatever term you want to use and not picky um as, as we were just saying earlier um that really jumped out at me from your book and i like i love the language that you use that it, it kind of it it feels it feels magical but it feels kind of raw as well and it feels kind of elemental and meat and bone uh, and all stuff like that it, it kind of um yeah i know it just and i'm sure you hear this a lot but it really kind of it landed um and talking about stuff that landed there's a there's a, there's a statement you used at the start of the book where you, you or a phrase and i'm paraphrasing now but religion is an offshoot of sorcery and sorcery uh, and slash animism is the root of all culture uh, i broadly agree with this this statement i think it's it's pretty accurate but can you can you unpack that a bit yeah it's uh where this came from for me was it is the idea that we get a lot when we're looking at uh, primitive religion, primitive culture, primitive what we would now lump together mostly as sorcery or if we're not talking, if we're, or, or shamanism or all these terms that are highly related to each other. Um, it's usually viewed as this is kind of some kind of de-evolution of a higher thing. So it's kind of like religion gone bad in some right. way, or that it's just really kind of um, people who don't know any better, right? Um, and I think this is really kind of specious and incredibly bizarre because we can see that some form of these practices have existed uh, in essentially every culture that we know anything about. Mm -hmm up until fairly recent times. Uh, and it's my thinking that if something, if there is something that kind of leads to that development of culture or leads to these kind of leaps of uh, kind of consciousness, it's the things that we would, could again broadly lump into the categories of magic or sorcery or again, shamanism. There's not as much difference in my mind mm -hmm. as there is in kind of the academic views of these things. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting that you, you, you touch on the academic view of things. So that's, that's kind of my next talking point is like, I've, I find kind of like Western magic and kind of, um, kind of occult culture is it has a real kind of quite heavy vein of, of academic culture in it, you know, mm -hmm. um, but in practice and kind of perceived authority that it's kind of almost PhD driven in a, in a lot of, in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but it seems to kind of, there's also a little bit of, I think, a, um, 
not looking at people who are just practicing you know who who have their lived right. experience and practice that it, it kind of the academic side of it, it kind of you know which makes sense in terms of kind of the western mindset and kind of being empirical and kind of you know ever since the enlightenment where, where it's study focused and, and magic has a tradition of being study focused right you know there's, yes. there's a basis in science um but one of the things that i found in your book that um i really liked and again kind of one of the core principles that you you built this on um was the idea of good feeling over logic you know that in relation to the liminal you know um and that um that i thought was really powerful you know because it, it really indicated that that the, the individual's relationship with the other that there wasn't a kind of um you didn't have to go to a lodge you know you didn't have to be a part of a common that you could um you know to a degree self-initiate you know right start your own practice um what are, what are your thoughts on that I think it's, and I totally hear what you're saying, it's an interesting thing because we can see that in the West, and especially in the Western uh, kind of, uh, what we think of as Western esoteric tradition, we can see what was going on with the Golden Dawn folks. Um, we can see the very heavy uh, influences of what came out of like the folklore societies. Um, we can see this in kind of the Wicca and witchcraft stuff, a lot of which came out of things like in the U.S., the Society of Creative Anachronism. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the Covenant of the Goddesses initial thing was coming out of a Morris dancing group. Uh, and we can see these things. Yeah, so we can see these things as being driven to kind of public view via folks that have, in some sense, an academic background, right? And I think that that then becomes kind of, can become kind of codified, right? It's, uh, it's it again, there's nothing actually wrong with that. It's just no, one angle in. Yeah. Um, but if we look to kind of the raw experience, if, and this is kind of a weird one, but if, we, if we're moving the work outside of the temple um, and outside of the magic circle of protection, and if we're moving it outside of the conception that we need to bring in these kind of good, benevolent, angelic powers to protect us from the harsher ones that can nonetheless help us out down here, right? Which is a lot of Western ceremonial magic. Um, and we move to things that look more like what we see in uh, the African traditional religions, mm. a lot of shamanism, a lot of uh, indigenous practices that, again, they get defined in lots of different ways, but that bridge between things like shamanism or spirit healing and sorcery is not as cut and dried as people often think, I think. Mm -hmm. um, it's just missing a lot. Okay. That if you haven't actually gotten, <laughs> I said in response to uh, my friend Matt Oren, head of post, and I can't remember the whole thing about it, but I jumped on one piece and it was uh, about kind of people's fear of practicing and uh, kind of people being told as they come in that if they don't do it exactly right and exactly by the book, yeah. that these you know, horrible, terrible mistakes will happen. And I responded, that, you know, but terrible mistakes are where you really learn, right? Because <laughs> it's like, you think you know how to control the things that you're calling up, yeah. but until they actually get out of control outside of the circle, mm. which does happen, mm. can you deal with that? Because mm. that's a different game. That's something, if it's already out of the box, yeah, yeah. Uh, how do you do with it? 
And I think that the reality is that most of what we experience in our life is outside of that box, is outside of that circle. And to me, again, it kind of, uh, I was talking to um, Douglas at the What Magic Is This podcast about this. Mm -hmm. There's a very urban aspect to Western ceremonial magic, even though it's a very, what well, was something we wouldn't really recognize as urban, right? Yeah. Uh, Urban, urban London in John Dee's time is not anything most of us would refer to as yeah. urban. Uh, but uh, it still has that. And it's, again, it's this very educated, very controlled, very scientific approach into something that, in my experience, is, prime, is incredibly kind of primordial and raw yeah. and experiential. Uh, that, again, I, there's, I've... I've it, so much of what I've experienced doesn't fit any of the kind of correspondence based approaches. Yeah. I, I really see where you're going with that. And like, um, you know, uh, I, th I think it's, I think you're bang on with that. And it really came across in your book, you know, like I grew up in the countryside, like <laughs> I grew up on the side of mountain in the West of Ireland, you know, mm -hmm. like uh, where like the power and the water went a couple of times a month, you know? So like, I, I know what, real rural means you know and, and yes. kind of, i know what pitch black night means you know like yes. that sense and a real sense of what the landscape is and when people talk about a haunted landscape i know exactly what that means and i felt that in your book i felt that connection to the land you know being part of the land and being part of the the all the, the life that lives there you know and and um like we often talk about things like say you know I mean, one of the things I, I talk about is how travel is, is, is magic, you know, the adventuring spirit, the, the travel is magic and how you change, you know, on that kind of quest type of thing. But there's a bit as well that I think we miss when we talk about like, like some of the kind of trappings of, of rural life or, or like mm -hmm. being part of a garden, you know, growing stuff, looking after animals and kind of that cycle of kind of, you know, you give and you take and, you, and that, that, that taking might be fruit, it might be meat, it might be eggs, it might be whatever, but it's, it's part of that cycle of a relationship. And I kind of, mm -hmm. like, when I was reading through your work, I kind of felt that idea of it's almost kind of like, it's that symbiotic relationship with spirit as you would have like a symbiotic relationship with land. It's a bit of a clunky metaphor, but you know where I'm going with it. Uh, I absolutely do. I absolutely do. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because it probably, I guess it was in 2011 is that I, I've moved, I've traveled all over and I've lived in many places, primarily in North America, but I've, you know, freight hopped thousands of miles and oh, cool. awesome. that kind of stuff. But um, uh, in 2011, my wife and I moved to a very rural part of Tennessee. And uh, this was the most rural county of Tennessee. And we were in the part that the locals referred to when you tell them where we live, they're like, Oh, you live down there in the boonies. <laughs> this is a county that is immense. Yeah. It has less than 10,000 people in it. And the person that's talking, telling you about this yeah. is in a town that has 600 people in it. Yeah. So we're talking deep rural. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was there that I got, chickens and goats and all of that and go okay your relationship to the spirit of animals changes when you start yeah slaughtering them uh and i don't think in a bad way 
right? It's one of those really interesting conversations that comes up now because there's an assumption, I get this a lot because I have animals and even though yeah. I'm not harvesting them for the most part now, people go, well, why don't you have the respect that you have for your dogs to your chickens? Mm -hmm. And it's very weird to me because you go, why do you think I don't? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, It has to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, if I have too many roosters, the girls get all torn up and they kill each other, yeah. blind each other. So part of my job, if I'm choosing to be in that, is to be the one to go, you're not okay here. And so I'm going to eat you. And I'm going yeah. to do that in the yeah. most conscientious and respectful way mm -hmm. uh, as possible. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I think that that's something that is lost mm -hmm. now for yeah. most people. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's an interesting thing. But I do think that, yeah, there's a weird, we're at a weird intersection where there is like the, how do you, it's a, uh, I was talking to somebody again about a kind of witchcraft thing and they were asking me about my take on kind of Wicca and witchcraft. And I think they're beautiful things, but they were like, well, what doesn't work for you about rit ritual? And I said, well, my connection is kind of what I think of as almost like a early Neolithic, Paleolithic connection energetically. Mm. And this is this agricultural religion, mm. right? They're like, well, it's not. And I'm like, then why are you making dollies out of sheaves of wheat? This is totally Neolithic. And the wheel of the year, you know? Yeah. And the beer and all of yeah. this stuff you go. It's like, whereas the spirits that I have interaction with, they present to me, which I understand is part me, uh, primarily as more hunter-gatherer types. Mm -hmm. And so that whole structure doesn't super make sense to me. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that it's... Yeah, it's just interesting. I think that there's so many different ways in. It's not saying that's bad. It's just, it's not mine. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, I, th I think I've diverged greatly from where we started, <laughs> but I'm not even sure where that was to get back there. It's all so. good. We can, we can talk about what we want. <laughs> uh, in, in the book, you describe trance as having three states. And in the, the deep trance state, you're, you're fully immersed in the other world and you interact mm -hmm. with its inhabitants. Can you, can, you, can you describe those interactions and, and maybe take us through one of the ones that um, really affected you, you know, if you're comfortable with them? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> this is where I get funky and weird and people go like, ah, he's one of those, because then they start talking and you go, okay. Um, <laughs> so see who wants to, who wants to be involved. Um, yeah, I, about three years ago, four years ago now, 2015, five years ago now, time flies. Um, I found, I was walking in the West in very deep trance. And to me, how that works is like, I can go in in different levels. And so I can actually do work in the West while I'm not even aware of kind of landscape, I would say. Mm -hmm. And then there's a point where I'm aware of landscape, but it's a little bit ghostly. Um, and then there's a point where I start touching things and there's a tactile mm -hmm. feedback. So uh, it's one of the things I think I mentioned in six ways is that like, if you can get to the place where you, if it's raining or drizzly or whatever, and you can touch the wet leaves, there's something in there that'll drop you all the way in. That's been my experience. And so once I'd found this particular zone, um, I found a, a, a barrow that was like, 
what you would see in your part of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was near it and I didn't go to it. I wasn't there, but uh, this spirit showed up that was in the form of a very austere looking um, woman with straight black hair and um, who was kind of floating off above the ground just an inch or so, kind of typical apparition thing. Mm -hmm. And when I'm in that particular, when I'm all the way in that depth, I'm not really thinking normally, right? It's like, this is very normal. There's nothing odd about it. Um, Even when things get really, truly bizarre, there's no part of me that's like referencing kind of my day-to-day life. And so that was fine. And um, I spoke to her and she didn't respond, but she kind of made clear in some way that I should follow her and headed back to this barrow that I had passed. Mm -hmm. And the barrow was open. And um, I went in and it was very dark, but there was a small fire. um, And uh, there was another kind of female spirit that I couldn't see super clearly, but um, and she was through the process of this interaction kind of made clear that she was, that she was actually in the barrow. She was stuck in the barrow, not in a bad way. That was just her place. Right. right? Um, and over the next several months, I visited that space and interacted with these female forms that all looked very similar. And then this Barrow, who I call the Night Mother now, because I asked her uh, what if, what I should call her, as she said. It's, I think this is in the book, maybe, that she said, uh, uh, "Call me what you like. I'm not a dog, and I won't come when you call." <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, so I began calling her the Night Mother, so I would have just a, something to write down in my journals and stuff, you know. And she showed me, as did the, the these women who I call the sisters now. Um, all of this stuff that was dealing with kind of fear of death and the reality of death mm-hmm. from the death side. <laughs> so they don't have any sense of being embodied, uh, of having been embodied. Their forms change very regularly uh, in particular patterns. Um, and when I've asked them about that, they're like, this is just what we do with your mind so we can interact Mm -hmm. like they're really clear like this is what you're seeing is not anything that's really particularly Mm -hmm. relevant to our reality this is just a way for us to interact with you um and anyway i visited them for a couple of years um and at one point and i know i've talked about this before somewhere on a podcast but either with Lonnie maybe or with Andrew, I don't know. Um, At some point, and this would have been in October, a couple of years ago, um, three years ago, I guess, uh, I went in and the sisters were all waiting for me, which is the first time that had ever happened. Like there was a bunch of them. There were maybe like 10 or 15 of them. Um, And uh, they said, we need to do something different with you now. And this is the first time they had kind of taken the lead other than kind of showing me something. And um, I was very comfortable with it. And I said, okay, that's fine. And uh, they did this whole process that once they began, they 
changed shape and they shape switched from being these kind of human apparitions to being these little flecks of golden light. Mm -hmm. um, and there were hundreds of thousands of them is, was the sense of them. They were, and they swarmed like bees and they talked, they spoke in my head at this point, it was really clear it was in my head in a very odd language because they were talking to themselves as we us something like that. They were speaking to them of themselves as collections. And once they switched into that shape, that form, they were like, we want to do some things to you so that you can interact with us more like we do. Mm -hmm. And this was an incredibly invasive procedure. Um, it wasn't painful, but it was uh, incredibly intense. Um, where they were opening me up and doing stuff inside of me. And I've had versions of that before, but this was very different. Um, and at a certain point, I, it became incredibly sexual for me. Um, and at that point also, my perception of myself was that I was female. Um, so this was a very overwhelming kind of sensory experience. Yeah. And I said, um, I'm not sure how I should feel about having this sexual response to this because I don't even know really what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and there was this mass humor that came out of this collective that was essentially said, that's just the only way you really know how to process kind of sensory data that is this intense. Right. That isn't painful. Mm -hmm. So it's fine that that's what's happening for you. <laughs> that's not really <laughs> what we think is happening, right? But we, it makes sense yeah. to us that you've experienced that. But anyway, and they, this transformative process went on that time and then went on several times over the coming weeks. Um, not the same, but where they continued to kind of integrate me and I would be able to have this conversation from perceptually inside of that kind of hive mind, that collective mind i wasn't i was part then of we us kind of rather than me being there um not 100 percent, but i was definitely able to kind of i could get their vibe and um shortly after that it was about three weeks after this started i got a call that my son was on life support um in the hospital and uh i went back in uh and said, and when I went into trance this time, it was the fastest way I'd ever gotten to that place. And when I popped in, they were all there and they were like, sorry, but this is what we've been doing with you mm -hmm. because this was coming and there's things that you can do to help him. Okay. In him, his passage. Um, and so that went on for two days. Um, and then he was, you know, able to move on. Um, that is the most extreme case that I've had of all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. But there's a way in which it also explains kind of my experience of it. That yeah. it's not me going in, going, I want you to do this to me to make me more like this. Yeah. It's developing relationships and over time, those spirit relationships uh, will offer to make changes 
that they think are beneficial. Right. Um, and I have enough trust in them at this point to go, I'm, I'm okay with that or that I, I need more information or I need to understand it better. Um, and after the fact, I'll see why it's like development of some tool set or some skill set, you know? Um, and so for me, that's part of like, people go like, this guy really acts like this shit is provably real. And it's like, well, I'm not saying that you can prove any of this stuff, but for me, it's provably real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've had more than enough experience to, sure. to accept that for me, this is real. Well, thank you for sharing such a, a, an incredibly personal story. I, um, that's really powerful. Um, and um, yeah, I just uh, appreciate you sharing that. Um, and and I, and I do get what you're saying in terms of it being provably real to me, you know. Um, and that's that's something I've only really gotten my head around in like the last couple of years, you know. Um, for looking back at kind of um, like my 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 own journey and kind of into this space um i mean i i started with you know looking at buddhism and kind of you know that kind of stuff when i was 15 you know which uh, you know growing up in catholic ireland was you know obviously very radical um but i i was i was also you know i also worked an awful lot of pendulum and i, I still do i've been working with that since mm-hmm. I was 15. so i was um Delighted to see you. You talk about pendulums in in, in the book. I was like, finally, somebody's got to bring tarot. it back. It's always about they're tarot. so good. Yeah, they're so Water good. Pendulums, yeah, uh, they're so, so good. That was, that was awesome. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, like, uh, what what I had, and I've talked about this in the podcast before. But what I had, um, kind of, my first recognition of this dream was real. This dream was a real interaction. Uh, happened mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. Um, uh, uh, you, you've seen some of my photographic work, absolutely. Um, so, so it, as in my travel photographer career, I, I'd um, look for certain stories and go off and shoot them. Um, pre, uh, you know, in, in younger days, I could be for six months at a time. Um, right. Later life, it's a little bit shorter than that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got the appetite for the road as much, uh, right. but it was about four years ago. I went off to 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 Delhi to shoot some work in relation to sites related to the gin from Chablog. Um, mm-hmm. And before I went, I had a really quite vivid dream. You know, it was it was um, unsettling. I was in a real kind of uh, Sufi scene in a place that that I actually know now where that place was. It's an actual shrine in Delhi, and I ended up going there and photographing it. And uh, every Thursday night, um, in this place called uh, Nuzumadin Aliyah, uh, which is, is this really kind of it's kind of the foremost Sufi shrine in Delhi. It's a beautiful place. Mm-hmm. Um, there's really quite vibrant, um, ecstatic music. Um, and I was kind of there in my dream, you know. Um, I kind of looked to my left, and one of the Sufis turns and looks at me. Except it's, it's not a human; it's not a, a living face. It's a skull face, kind of rotten face with a snake going in of the eyes, like proper kind of Indiana Jones kind of stuff. Yeah, totally. And I was just straight up, "Don't come here!" Right. So I was like, "Uh." <laughs> so I definitely rattled my cage. Um, yeah, you know, I, I still went, and I had a kind of a string of experiences that kind of. I, I, I since then can kind of formulate and go, yeah, I was being messed with, you know. Um, 
but it still shot the work. Um, but it, it's taken me that time to kind of realize that that interaction was real, you know, and it right. was real to, to me. I can't prove that. I can't qualify it to anybody. But it's that kind of acceptance of kind of what's real to you that I think is hugely important. And it goes back to that bit when you're talking about gut, you know, your gut versus logic. Yeah, you know, and that kind of ability to um, discern between the two, you know, and and I really get a feel from that from your book. It's like teaching discernment, you know. It, it's honing your sensitivity about kind of what you're interacting with and what's interacting with you. Um, and and again, I just you know, I I love how accessible it is. You know, I I made the mistake as a young man of picking up Crowley and trying to, you know, ha- with kind of a, a, a fledgling interest in, in magic, pick up Crowley and go like, I can't even get to the end of the page. I, oh no, absolutely. I had the exact same experience. I had the exact same experience. I'm sorry, Marco, if you're listening. It just, it's, it's always been very hard for me to kind of, to, to penetrate and understand what's going on. And like, a, like, I'm very kind of uh, visual in, 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 in how I learn and right. kind of I absorb information. You know, it's no surprise that, you know, I do photographic work in, in, in that regard. Yeah. But, I, you know, I found that kind of that, I guess, occulted language, you know, um, heavy and kind of classical metaphor and, and just extraordinarily difficult to understand what's going on. You know? I have the same experience with that. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, it's an interesting thing too, because I think um, I have, you know, and this is ties into the jewelry thing is when I started making jewelry, my friend uh, Mark and his wife, Pam, uh, we met by random encounter where yeah. I was, I, which was really just a straight up hardcore spirit led thing. <laughs> I was told you get out of bed right now, even though you're terribly hungover and it's too early and you go to this place yeah. right now. And they were there and they were just yeah. tatted up. Buddhist yeah. magicians and it was very clear who I was supposed to talk to and we became close <laughs> friends but I picked up the jewelry thing very very fast and what I learned from that uh, really began to make sense of my magical approach which is I'm incredibly tactile hmm. I want to do the thing and that's part of what it go- comes along and there's a description of I think in in the on consecration section that is really like to me if people would do that mm-hmm. a lot till they found kind of that it, that's where I start to get information is it's like, yeah, even in here, I'll walk in and start collecting things as this is where I do a lot of the work that I do. Um, and maybe that's, I've got a, my, my father died recently and I got the family heirloom whale teeth and the whale mm-hmm. teeth have got a particular signature to them mm-hmm. that is not the signature all a seven, seven, seven or something. It's like, there is a, a life current that is tapped into those mm-hmm. things that I can touch in a way that can kind of guide some of what I do, you Mm. know? I don't know how else to describe that one, but, um, and so I see that. I think that it's, it's one of the things that I think is important is for people to realize that not everybody's gonna find the same way in at all. Mm. And that's one of the things I try to do in six ways is go like, there's a ton of ways here in, and it's not that these are all things you have to learn before you can begin. Mm-hmm. It's like find one that'll let you in, right? That's why I think of them as entries. Right. It's like that's mm-hmm. find one or two entries that you can use and then see if you can do all of the magic that you 
need to do in your life yeah. with that and see what that leads to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really get that, you know, and, and, um, you know, you were talking about working with, with, with skulls, um, you know, again, that was a, a, another big kind of bullseye for me because I do that as well, you know, and I've, but I've never learned that from anywhere, you know, I've, I've never kind of read that from anywhere, but I've been, and it's, it's only with, with skulls I've found, you know, mm-hmm. um, I have a, I have a very large seal skull that I found on on, a, on the beach in in Northwest Scotland, and um, a dog skull and a rabbit skull and and and, and kind of and a couple of bird skulls, and when I cast a circle, like uh, or what, what I do, whatever my version of that is, whatever that is, it, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, it's like that's what goes in in my kind of my elemental corners, and you know, when I I'm thinking about you know the sea the seal is. Is more water, you know. The the bird is absolutely, you know, and 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 them, and that's it. Yeah. So it was. It, it is just. I mean, I don't want to flatter you too much, but <laughs> I really enjoy that's that. That's okay. I'll take <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just got that kind of the the gut feeling, the connection with the elements in their most, you know, absolute form. You know that, right. that like that like the contours of the bird's skull that's designed to yes. go through the air, you know the yes. shape of the seal, like the, the the how that their body and bone is bent to that environment, you know, right. you know, and that's that just kind of I can feel it, you know, um, and it, I, and I get that too. I have a couple of bird skulls, and the thing that is amazing to me about bird skulls, I'll just see if this resonates to you, mm-hmm. is when we think about air and we think about all the things about air and then you grab you pick up a, an owl skull or something mm-hmm. and there's nothing there no it's so it's like crazy there's nothing to it yeah. you know and then nobody else other than you will probably see this but and then you pick up the sperm whale tooth and it weighs yeah. like two pounds yeah you go, <laughs> right because this is this many 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 ton animal mm. what an interesting reality Mm. right and that's yeah. i think the thing yeah. that i'm always after is mm. if this stuff is real then what do you need all of the kind of crazy layers of mm. that we add on to it and it's not to say that, that doesn't help but i know that it works for some people mm-hmm. um one of the things that my wife brought up to me early on before i started writing the book but when i was talking to people about magic um they were coming to me for talismanic work and sometimes we would talk about some of the questions and things and she said one of the things that she said to me one of the things that you do that is really important um is that you are kind of giving folks permission to do the things that make sense to them Mm -hmm. in a culture that primarily wants to tell you no Mm-hmm. you should do it this way because this is the yeah. right way this yeah. is the proven way this is the safe way this is the intelligent way mm-hmm. if you knew better if you were better educated mm-hmm. and again i think this stuff is so much of the body that it's mm-hmm. that that's it, some of that will work for some people yeah you know and and, and to, to kind of to, to to build on that as well i mean you, you talk about you know we're not designed for these kind of hyper stressed states, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's these states that we find we're always in, you know, we're, we're yes. in these constant states of anxiety, you know, wondering kind of like, okay, how do I get the next 
rent payment, mortgage payments, you know, uh, why don't I look like those people I see in this way and all that kind of body image stuff and all, all the kind of yep. different complexity and different layers of, of, of anxiety and, uh, and stress that we, we are tuned into to the external world. But it, it's, it's then, I mean, it, for me, again, it comes down to that kind of stuff is that like, no one really wants that. It's not our natural state. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, like, like it's, it's, you know, there, there, there's, there's nobody out there kind of going, yeah, do you know what? I, I kind of really like this. Um, you know, this total <laughs> race world where I have no choices. I can't really find I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying James, the low level panic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just kind of happy to have my heart rate just constantly pumping away, you know, uh, and, and like, you know, that we're not, we're not, <laughs> no one's enjoying it, you know, and, and that's one of the reasons kind of when I look, when I look at the kind of the world uh, of what's happening in the world, all, all over the world, and, you know, in the States, particularly the eyes of the world are on the States, and it's like, there's, all this, all this polarization, everyone's kind of at each other's throats. And you got one side that wants to preserve the way it is. The other side wants to take it to another way. And it's like something else has been born. You know, something's happening. You know, there's, there's a, this change, this flux. And I'm really interested to kind of see where that goes. But fundamentally, you know, I would, I, I hope and I pray for something that doesn't replace one structure with another structure that are both equally unpleasant in just different ways, you know, and it's, Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it's that kind of freedom that, um, to express yourself, to, um, to explore your relationship with the multiple layers of our own consciousness and, and the, the, the full kind of spectrum of reality around us that I really like, you know, how you describe that you know i'm going like this is not your natural state it is not you you're not the person who is bricking it every every month about whatever bills they got to pay or whatever they got to do in their job that is is stressing them out there's another reality there's a deeper reality you know that is only one aspect of, of who you are and I, I think that's a really important thing you know and there's a there's a it kind of made me think that there's like there's a healer in you as well because of what you're describing you know you're, you're kind of going it's okay. It's hard, but do these things, and it's going to kind of, it's going to take that down. It's going to take you away from it. I would agree with that, um, and it's interesting because I think that's what that's what I get from my allies. Yeah. Um, is my allies were very clear when I began making jewelry um, in 2012. Again, um, they were like, "This is beneficial work, um, and it will help." both the individuals who get the stuff and it helps the overall thing. And I never, I didn't really understand that at the time, but over time I began to kind of get that sense. And I definitely have that idea that it's again, I think we're in this period of zero permission, mm -hmm. at least in the United States, like you have to be left mm -hmm. all the way like this. Mm -hmm. And if you say one wrong word, you're not good enough yeah or you have to be right mm -hmm. the same way mm -hmm. one wrong word yeah. you're not good enough right and that's just an extreme expression of what i think it goes on culturally here right now yeah um and so i think it is important to really kind of come out and go this is not how we were mm -hmm. how we came about mm -hmm. there's nothing about this that is that mm -hmm. um and so we're not used to it uh if we look at kind of the very strange disease vectors that are building up. 
Mm. We're not going to get used to it because that's not getting it. There's no piece of that that is getting better. Yeah, true. Um, and so to me, there is a question that is really interesting, which is how do we shift that if for nothing else for ourselves to, like you say, to kind of drop that energy to realize like this crazy discontent way beyond what the Buddhists were talking about, right? <laughs> this is not Dukkha. This is yeah, a whole yeah. new level. Um, or it's Dukkha squared or something. Mm. Um, it's not natural. It's not you. So you don't have to take that piece of it mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. And instead you can try and go, okay, well, how do I build a life that makes sense? Yeah um even given the scenario that i'm in mm. and are there aspects and this is one of the things that i think magic did for me is it made me question what i did for work like eventually it's like okay if i know these things are true why am i doing this thing that is causing me so much stress mm -hmm. um, and caused me to kind of and my wife to really radically downshift our expectations and our <laughs> earnings <laughs> um, to go like, okay, we would rather be much closer to poor though. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't put myself in that camp, yeah. but, um, but have time and a lot less stress. Yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, that, that's independent of magic. It's important, I think, independent of magic, but for magicians in particular, when we're trying to churn this other reality sometimes into the churn of the kind of madness of the modern world, um, it can get peculiar, you know, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an, it's an interesting thing, but I definitely think that there is a, a there's a, there's a huge healing potential to magic. Yeah. Um, and it is through a kind of, in my experience, uh, in most people I know kind of a difficult road. It's not an easy path um, because it's experiential and because it's individual and because it does require, if you ask the allies to help you get through your shit, mm -hmm. they will do that. Yeah. Yeah. The gloves come off. Uh, the gloves come off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's like, okay. And it's funny. I mean, I've had that experience that is, uh, that is common to a lot of different shamanic traditions of, going in and having your allies cut you to pieces and remove yeah. all your bones and burn yeah. a bunch of shit up and put you back together. And it's extreme. And even though that I never found, I never sensed that as being particularly painful, the effects of it were severe. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a gentle ride. It's mm -hmm. like, okay, you come out of that and you go, okay, I need to write that down. And I need to remember that that happened for at least the next year. Mm -hmm because something's changing, something just changed. And now the rest of my life is gonna reorganize if I am attentive. Yeah. Um, but if I'm not, there's gonna be terrible clashes as I try and yeah. do tomorrow like I did yesterday, because I'm not the same person. Mm -hmm. And that, that mm -hmm. makes an awful lot of sense, you know, and, and, and kind of as you, as you rightly assert, it's like when, when you start this journey, you know, at some stage you're going to be faced with a question and it's a blunt question. It's a yes or no answer. Are you for real? And if you say yes, without being for real, you're going to get a kicking, you know, that is, that is going to happen. That, that before me reading through you, how you just describe your journey 
and what your kind of your recommendations to people in terms of like this is what i do take what you need and you know and, and do do you it just really came across you're you're telling people you got to go deep you got to practice and you got to do the work but here's how you do it in a really a really digestible way you know it's mm-hmm. like I, I get what you're talking about you know and, and like you know you at the start of the conversation you were talking about people following kind of magical practice like in this absolutely resolute explicit way i think you talk, you talk about it in the book actually it's one of your footnotes is talking about kind of like um that it was it was above and below rooms so it was like there's nine steps right. like well, how big are these steps because that's you need you need at least <laughs> steps for it to be down you know I, I get that i get that that's kind of exactly the kind of shit that would come into my head you know absolutely and what size are the steps now are we are we talking breeze blocks or bricks <laughs> you know, exactly you know, exactly right now that, you know, so that bit of kind of like paint your own landscape and then journey. Here's what you do when you get there, but paint it yourself, I think is 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 really valuable. But when we talk about that kind of that world of, of just like the, 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 the hyper stress, the consistent exposure to stress, it's also that consistent exposure just to stimuli, to shallow, consistent stimuli, you know. And, and, yes. And, and that that's where that real work starts because you're talking about shutting that down and, you know, moving away from that and going into trance me- proper meditation practice. It's really, really hard. If you've got a lot, yes. you know, if you had a lifetime of being exposed to media to shut down, I mean, we're, we're so used to going into trance in front of a TV or in front of a screen, exactly. you know, what to do it to ourselves is, is really challenging. You know, that's a good point. My friend um, Ren Zapotek, who teaches on animism, um, she talks about that. She's like, trance isn't hard. Mm. Trance is happening all the time. You're doing that on Netflix. You're doing that on your Instagram feed. You're doing that on your phone. It's getting into a trance that is actually in some way helpful (laughs) uh, or beneficial, you know. And I think that's really true because we kind of, there's a way that we kind of are entranced by... Mm what our society is producing, right? It's yeah. this constant thing. And um, it ties into that thing that we were talking about before that beyond right or left, or even beyond kind of any, what any one person, unless you're really talking, you know, theoretical level that most people aren't talking about, beyond capitalism, there is a thing that I believe that modern culture, like if there's like a sub-spirit to it, yeah part of it is about distraction mm-hmm. and implementing stress on people mm-hmm. and implementing stress on environments um, because it makes it very difficult to function intelligently mm-hmm. and to be well enough to function intelligently. Cause that's yeah. kind of a critical key, right? You've got to be reasonably okay before you start making good decisions. Mm-hmm. This doesn't mean you have to be fixed because if you're after that, it's never coming as far as I can tell. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you do have to be able to take enough space and go, okay, yeah, I'm going to figure out which pieces of my life don't work for me. And I'm going to try and get as much distance from those as possible. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to see if I can start upping the signal on the stuff that does work for me. Yeah. Right? And that's really the root mm-hmm. to me of kind of practical magic which puts me kind of at odds with a lot of people that are really seeing it as strictly, obviously magical operations. But if you can use magical practice to 
reduce stress and kind of clarify your head enough to go, oh, that thing that I'm chasing, I don't want. Mm. I talk about this more in the new book, but uh, there's a lot of the things that most of the things I think that we want in the modern West, Mm -hmm. there's no reason why we as individuals would want them. They're just presented as the thing you want. Yeah. So constantly mm-hmm. that even, well, maybe I don't need to be as rich as Kanye or something, mm-hmm. but I need to be rich. It's like, yeah. yeah, really? Like if you could just pay your bills for the next 60 years, you'd still need to be rich. Cause I'd be good with that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah no, I mean, I, it's, 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 you know, it's that bit about kind of self-recognition, you know, when you start to kind of go, are my values mine? And what I value, do they actually belong to me and come from me? Or actually, do they belong to a marketing team? You know, exactly. You know, uh, uh, and you know, do they belong to kind of a, a transient trend? Like, so it, it's, it's, again, it's part of that centering bit. And you, and you talk about it in, in, in what do you call it? Uh, how you, you free yourself from your past, you forgive yourself from your past. And, yes, the reclaiming rights stuff. Right, yes, the retrieval totally. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that to me is, is there's a societal one there as well. It's not just the kind of the individual relationships, it's our relationship no. with society. You know? yeah. yeah. I totally agree with that. I mean, it, it's an interesting thing because, again, the allies get in, get on me. Um, it's not like they're always there. I'm not like 24 <laughs> seven channeling or something, but when I was, when I'm writing or when I'm talking, doing talks like this, yeah. they will come in it to go like, this yeah. is the piece he should keep in. And that piece is crap. Uh, you know, and that, that right is the thing that they were like, this is kind of the key piece mm-hmm. and not everyone will do it. it it's yeah. too simple. Yeah. Um, and it's too potent. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the thing that I've gotten from a lot of people who will go like, yeah, I, I, I tried that thing and I totally fucked my shit up. <laughs> like, I'm like, this is a stupid ritual. But he says, this is where I should start. I don't get it. And I'm like bawling and I really don't want to do it again tonight, let alone tomorrow for the rest of the next 30 yeah. days or how long. And now I know people that have been doing that for years, right? Because they're like, this is my anchor. This is that thing. I'm going to retract. Mm-hmm. I'm going to scrape and cut off kind of the tentacles of the yeah. everything else and then i'm going to do that thing and go i'm all right i'm good i fuck up and that's okay and yeah. i'm moving yeah. on and i'm good you know yeah uh, I, I, I think I that's it. important yeah so you think it's hugely important you know and, and like and again it's, it's that measuring of oneself against you know the impossible against the unachievable you know but when you really unlock when you're kind of unpack it do you really want these things you know, mm-hmm. it's like from the outset, you know, we, we, you mentioned Kanye, you know, and, and it's like from the outside, you're like, well, Kanye's got the life. He's got everything. And then actually kind of you, you dig in, you dig in and it, it turns out like there's absolute chaos. There's a lot of pain and, and that's playing out in, in, the, in the public, public eye. You know, I couldn't think of anything worse, you know, uh, right. like, you know, you know and, and it's, it's understanding kind of the value of what you have. And I feel that kind of the, the processes you're describing helps do that to people, send to them, yeah. you know, um, but also tell them you got a shitload of work to do. <laughs> you got a shitload of work to do. It's also interesting because again, I have this super long view of humanity, right? I don't consider mm-hmm. what is considered modern homo sapiens to be yeah. the beginning of humanity at all. Um, and so I think of this, like, let's just pick, you know, I always 
try and pick reasonable numbers. So I'm going to say like a million years. Mm -hmm. For a million years, none of this shit mattered to anyone. It was about, do we have water? Do we have shelter? Do we have food? Are we able to keep enough of the kids alive to continue the tribe? Yeah. That was it um, on the material level, right? But from everything that we can see and what we've learned from kind of survivals or art or whatever, and if you tap into the kind of spirit realms, you get kind of the ability, at least I have to tap into, I think, deeper levels of kind of human memory. Um, there was this massive interaction with us, with the spirits, with the animals, with the land. Um, and I think the fact that we can tap into that at all <laughs> uh, now is kind of amazing considering yeah. what's gone on since. Um, but I think if we can kind of do those things, we begin to, a lot of this stuff begins to fall away, mm -hmm. you know, and you go, okay, yeah, I like my stuff, but mm -hmm. if the house caught on fire, that's all right. Yeah. You know, yeah. I could walk away. I'd, you know, let the dog and the cat out and, and, mm -hmm. and head out. Mm -hmm. um, and if we can kind of have that sense that this stuff in our station in our place is transient because it all is. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I think we can, we can begin to look at it and go, well, given all that, given that all of this is transient, given that we're here for a very short time, given that we're never going to really know the meaning behind every bit of this, mm -hmm. what do you want to do then? Mm -hmm. And that I think is a really, to me, a hugely potent question in magic. Like, what do you, what do you want your life to be like then? What do you not want? And can you come up with a way and can you use magic in the traditional sense of practical magic mm -hmm. to facilitate that? Like, okay, if your job is terrible, well then get to work and yeah. see if you can't uh, conjure something better or conjure the skill set that allows you to do that and do the hard work that it is required yeah. too. That it all can be, it's an integrated thing. It's an integrated life process. Mm -hmm. Really sense that. So your your new title. Um, so when did the, when did the book come out? Uh, it came out as the ebook came out uh, about a week ago. Yeah, ten days ago, and the print book starts shipping on the thirty first of August. So it's open for pre order for another thirteen days from when we're recording this, yeah. but it'll be shipping shortly. So so firstly, congratulations. You know. Uh, Thank you bringing a new, a new creation into the world. Um, and, and can you, can you tell us how does this book build on, on, uh, on, on six ways or is it totally different? Um, I think they build on each other though. Yep. It, it, it's intended to be usable as a standalone. Right. Um, and it's intended to be really usable as a standalone though. I do kind of put out there that you want to come up with a little bit of protective, Mm -hmm. tools like the stuff we were just talking about <laughs> and that can be from my stuff or something like jason miller's mm. protection and reversal magic it doesn't super matter it doesn't have to be six the stuff in six ways yeah um so six ways is kind of like a general overview of the ways in that we talked about earlier right the find a path or two that you can tap into and then see what you can do with that it's not that you need the whole toolkit necessarily um you can do a lot with a you know, hammer and a screwdriver. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to have the whole thing. Um, and so it was pretty wide ranging. 
And weaving fade is not wide ranging in that sense at all. It's a very focused uh, collection of practices towards one way of working, mm -hmm. which is a journal form of hypersigil. Uh, and it is really a long-term practice uh, that is a way of really kind of a lot of doing a lot of the stuff that we talked about. How do you break off the story that isn't you and the stories that came from your family or your culture that kind of guide your sense of who you are and possibility for yourself? And how do you uh, kind of return to the scenes of the crime where uh, damage was caused by traumatic events mm -hmm. and extract the power that got stuck there? Because if it's still having an effect, it's because again, it's an, one of that attachment yeah. concept, right? Yeah. Um, you're anchored when to that point when you were 15 and that thing happened to you. And that's a, it's an energy leak and it's a problem. Um, and it's this section that deals with that is, um, was something that was taught to me by my allies uh, and is proven to be a huge thing for me. Uh, because it is a tool to actually go in and kind of break that hold, extract that power and transform it in, or that kind of damage and transform it into power that you can use. And so the idea behind Weaving Fade is that it's, uh, it's an overall toolkit that is really primarily three tools to do a single kind of work. Mm -hmm. uh, that you could use the pieces separately, but if you actually want to get the best results from it, they work better as a collection. And it's the best thing that I know for really doing kind of serious changes to our reality uh, that doesn't, in a really consistent way and in a really, uh, where we get the most say. It right. doesn't have a lot of spirit work in this book. Uh, this is definitely a little more centered on, on, the, on the person themselves. Um, but yeah, it's the thing that I've been using forms of for a long time uh, to kind of shape my life how I want to yeah. much more than what would look like traditional ritual magic. I'd say it sounds fantastic. It sounds really interesting. I am on uh, in terms of uh, listeners and, and kind of the best place to, 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 to find the title is it, is it, is it Amazon or any of the on, big on time online retailers have it. Um, yeah. So Amazon, Barnes and Noble, AdLibris in uh, Scandinavia, the book depository works for a lot of places, but yeah, you can get it. Amazon UK, uh, all of that stuff. Well, I'll put the, the links in, in, the, sh in the show notes. Uh, and in terms of, if anybody wants to, to kind of follow you or see your work, where's the best place yep. to find you? Um, AidenWalker.com. That has my, that's my website. It's got links out to, uh, my social media stuff. Um, it's got a new page up for the book. If you want to see a little bit more on what that book is, it's got a bit of the introduction there. Mm -hmm. um, and it also has the first episode of my podcast, which became I live yesterday. Yeah, yeah, I listened to it yesterday. Uh, Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> um, and so that's the main source. Uh, yeah. I'm on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, but uh, slowly trying to extract myself a little yeah. bit from those things for all of the reasons we have discussed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Trying to back off a little bit. I've been a little overly involved for the last year or so there. So. Uh, I, I totally get what you, um, I, I ditched Facebook about two, two and a half years ago. Um, yeah, so 
Oh, it's yeah. tough because we've got a really active face group. We've got almost 3,000 people in a Facebook group. Yeah, yeah. Tied I, into Weaving Fade in six ways. So that will always be there as long as people. I'm not sure how much I will be there in the long run. And that's really what the podcast was kind yeah. of created to do is like, okay, like I, I can move at least the, yeah. the Q&A stuff to something that's not tied into a social media platform. Yeah, I, yeah. It, it's, it's, a, it's a tough one. Kind of when I, um, when I torched my Facebook presence, um, <laughs> I had like 8,000 followers for like my, my, my photographic work, you know, but it, it was that kind of thing that was a dead group anyway, because like, you know, I'd share something and you, you got to pay to play and all that kind of stuff. So it's, you know, and people come and see my stuff. It's more of kind of observe and, uh, and go. It's not as much a conversation. You know, yeah. I, I was, I was joking about uh, this, um, I think on, on, on Gordon White's podcast that like, you know, I can tell you what flies better on social beautiful landscape do a drink and whiskey out of a skull i know which one i want to see but <laughs> it doesn't always play oh, it's, it, it's a it's a weird thing it's a yeah. super weird thing and i had that uh the world of social media and especially kind of magical or occult social media is very strange mm. um you know i did uh again, when I was making jewelry, that, that was the thing. And it's like, I could put pretty cool picture of my jewelry up and that yeah. was mm -hmm. you know, lovely. Now people are kind of, must be satisfied with my chickens and my dogs because I'm not making jewelry. <laughs> but, uh, but it's very interesting too, because then because of that weird kind of book thing in the magical world, you write a book and then that opens up this whole other thing. And it's like, that's really weird. Like, why is this the thing that then yeah. makes this yeah. makes me legit that's bizarre yeah it's a really interesting uh, point. super strange yeah. it's like what what the fuck is that yeah, that's it's not quite right and you're not the first person i've heard to say that you know like there is kind of very experienced magical practitioners going kind of like okay so i have to write something before i get taken seriously you know and i, I apparently that is true yeah <laughs> Yeah. It certainly isn't right, but yeah. apparently it's true. <laughs> and it's 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 weird as well because when you when you when you look at kind of the different vehicles now that we have to deliver information, like a book is a really useful thing. You know, I mean, I, I say this mm -hmm. as an absolute book lover. You know, like um, mm -hmm. that's that's how I I can't even deal with ebooks. You know, I need the paper. You know, and I've also got that weird thing. I know we, we you talk about kind of shedding your blogging. It's like my my. <laughs> my books are, are like oh i've burned my books i've burned down the book pile a million times so i no longer have that problem i have already yeah, uh, yeah. i've already made uh, arrangements with a couple of friends for the yeah. ones that i can't actually just throw out into the yeah, world yeah 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 okay you're getting my spare when i have to get rid of it i'm just going to give it to you and i don't want it back but i need to know it went somewhere cool <laughs> I, you know I, I get that it's like knowing that it goes to a good home i think i could i could deal with it more i think it would kind of solve that's how i am about my yeah that's how yeah. i am about my books and my guitars yeah. i've got a couple of guitars i need to shed and it's like i need to open that up to my close friends and if none of them want to buy it it's gonna be like okay then you can put your name in the hat and i'll just send it to you <laughs> i need to know it goes to a good home <laughs> i had that thing before kind of you know you lend a book to somebody even if it's not like something that you, it's just a story you enjoy not a particular kind of like oh this is a book that kind of like spoke to me just it's a good story and getting it back and it's like the spines and bits i'm like what, how did you read this this, you've destroyed. What did you do? What did you, what you do to this? It's nice person. I trusted you with this book. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
<laughs> you brutalized it. You know, that kind of, uh, yeah, I, I still have that. I got some work to do there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, we, we've got so many more, so much more kind of like deeply personal vehicles to deliver information that you can, you can take mm-hmm. at any time, you know, and get feedback, you know, and have asked questions, you know? Uh, so it's, yeah, I think it's a strange thing. I, I think that's kind of what, you know, one of the things I was talking about when we started our conversation about that kind of academic focus is still anchored in it almost is. kind of like the, 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 the PhD thesis that it's, yes. these are kind of like, they're like magical theses, you know, and, and kind of, unless you have one of those, a lot of doors went open. But how do we really know who you are? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You haven't shown us your papers. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's weird. It's a strange, exactly. it's a strange, strange world. Mm. Cool. Um, well, Aiden, I've really enjoyed the conversation. It's, it's been a great crack chatting to you. Um, and, and again, uh, fantastic book really enjoyed it got a lot from it and i know it's going to change my practice it actually already did today i'll, I'll tell awesome. you when we finish, finish recording i'll, I'll awesome. tell you but, but uh, yeah it's already it's already kicked in um, it, it likes that yeah <laughs> <laughs> so best place to find you i'll leave all the links in the show notes for everybody and um yeah thank you so much i really enjoyed talking to you <laughs> thank you for having me it's been great Well, that was ace. I, I really, really enjoyed that show. Um, Aiden, that was that was an awesome chat. I really appreciate your time. Um, I've already incorporated some of the techniques mapped out in six ways into my own practice, and it's immediately changed something quite significant uh, for me. Uh, spirits I assumed uh, to be working with, well, after a bit of pendulum divination, that turned out not to be the case. Um, and I've repeated it quite a few times, and it's been consistent in, in its response, uh, which can often be the case for those of you who, who haven't used pendulums or, or are not familiar with the practice give it a try it's um it's quick and it's very effective i've been using one for oh jesus coming up to 30 years and damn it's it's rarely if ever has let me down um anyway apart from that uh be sure to check out the links to Aiden's work in the show notes. It's awesome. He's got some great, great stuff there. That was it. That's the show for now. Talk soon.